Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you again from Lexington, Kentucky, and this is short game session number 10, musings on this year's buddies trip. We've just completed our 2020 buddies trip, and I've got several thoughts to ponder with you. I provide a little postmortem on our trip to the Sand Hills and Southern Pines region of North Carolina. Nothing formal this week, no guest. I just wanted to riff on a few things before I lost those thoughts to the sands of time. Before then, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com. It's only one G in Talking Golf. This week, I'd point you to Connor Lewis's new episode of Talking Golf History. His guest this week is renowned golf writer Stephen Proctor, and they discuss golf writing, golf literature, and the original thinker in that space, for all intents and purposes, Bernard Darwin. So check that out on your podcast feed, or if you don't subscribe to Talking Golf History, uh, you can find it at TalkingGolf.com. As always, you can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod. You can find my thoughts and writings online over at OneBeardedGolfer.com, and you can interact with me directly on Twitter at OneBeardedGolfer. That's the number one, Bearded Golfer. I'm also on Instagram under the One Beard Golfer handle, and the show has an Instagram Instagram account as well, so do check that out sometime. A reminder, this podcast is sponsored by me and only me. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work both with homeowners buying and selling houses, and also work with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in Central Kentucky. You can find me and find out all about that at davidhill.rhr.com. And now, on to our return to the Sandhills. My first thought is that it's incredible to be down there in the summer. I always forget how far south North Carolina really is and how hot and how humid it gets in that neither land between the mountains and the beach. But playing all day on a Monday and a Tuesday, we pretty much had all of our courses to ourselves. There was no one pushing us and we weren't waiting on anybody at Tobacco Road on the day after their third annual Augean tournament. And there were only one or two golfers on the course when we teed off. We had three tee times starting at 8 a.m. And it wasn't much, much more crowded than that when we finished. Uh, that afternoon at Talamore, it was only us and the staff. I mean, that worked out in our favor more than we could have ever anticipated. But with COVID-19 and the tropical storm threatening our area, nobody wanted to play. So we took our time, donned our rain gear when necessary due to the intermittent outer bands of tropical storm, Isaias. Um, and we had the place to ourselves. It was our own private country club. And that's happened in both of our trips uh, down to North Carolina. At Pine Needles, we went off in three groups starting at 8 a.m. The staff was going right behind us, top dressed in the greens with a whole bunch of sand. The exact same thing that we experienced two years ago in 2018. So I'm assuming that's part of their regular August or maybe, maybe regular Tuesday protocol. Um, but it's fine to play in front of. doesn't affect us in the least bit. Uh, perhaps the most crowded golf course, and I say that in air quotes, that we experienced was Southern Pines. We were able to keep three consecutive tee times, but there were plenty of locals playing in front and behind us. And I know there were locals or members of the club because they did not wait. As soon as they got within half a hole of us, uh, rather than waiting or playing through, just like that, they were gone. They would play cross-country golf and find some other hole and then presumably loop back or uh, just not play those holes that they passed up. Playing around our 
ninesome, essentially. Yes, northern Michigan, the upper Midwest, Wisconsin, are beautiful and there are perfect temperatures this time of year. But if you're looking to get away and really be away, heading south in the summer is not a terrible idea, especially to those courses down there in the Sandhills region that get really firm and fast as it gets hot. The ball bounces, shots run out. Uh, it is a different type of golf than you're going to find most other places. Uh, speaking of Tallamore and the new course that I mentioned just a minute ago, and it's Reese Jones' renovated new course, uh, that golf course was actually kind of the surprise hit of the trip. It was kind of a substitute add-on. Uh, Dormy Club, which we had played a couple of years ago that we have fond memories of, was punching the day of our arrival. So we had to come up with a new course. And that one being right there kind of on the main drag in Southern Pines, North Carolina, right next to Pine Needles, was perfect for us logistically. So while we played some big-name courses, Tobacco Road, Pine Needles, which has a championship pedigree, to a man, everybody said, hey, when we, if and when we come back to this area, they all want to play Talamore. I did not see that coming. You know, it, it doesn't have as much of that rough-hewn, sandy waste and pine needles, uh, rough and, and aesthetic that you see at some of the more, I don't know what you'd call, prototypical, more refined courses down there. Um, but it was something everybody seemed to enjoy. It had plenty of elevation change. Um, you know, Reese Jones does a great job with his bunkering. The greens were interestingly contoured. Um, good visuals, good sight lines. So I can see why it was a hit. Uh, the staff could not have been better to us. Little side note, we didn't have any real dinner plans for that night. I've learned to let go of the grips of control just a little bit. I'm much more travel agent than golf trip dictator anymore. Um, anyway, the staff was saying there was a sign on the door that they were having a pig picking that night. Uh, open to presumably members of that residential community or that club. Well, between the COVID-19 and the tropical storm showing up that day, when we completed our 18-hole round about 6.30, it was a ghost town. There was no one there, nobody in the parking lot, fewer cars than when we teed off and we were the only people there. So we worked out a deal with the staff that Basically, we had our own private barbecue buffet. It was incredible. In exchange for some generous donations from our group, we got to eat and drink our fill, which saved us a trip out on the town. Uh, we were already in a place where people were masked up and following protocols. So really, I, I tip my cap again to the, the Talamore course people. They took great care of us. Uh, we could not, have, could not have planned it any better, despite the fact that we had no plans at all. Uh, next thought, the secret is out on the cradle. You know, it was really crowded. Now, granted, we were there on the heels of the U.S. Kids World Championship. Hi, John Kim. Missed you. Um, they were leaving town the day we were arriving, so there was a little overlap. But, you know, two years ago when we were down there, I think it was the first full season it had been open, and we had no trouble. We could walk on on a Sunday afternoon on the tail end of that same U.S. Kids tournament. And we basically had the place to ourselves after 6 p.m. This year, we got the 6.48 and 7 o'clock tea times. Yes, tea times for the cradle, the short course, the nine-hole, 700-and-something-yard short course. Um, it's worth it. It's an incredible experience. It's the best way to end the day 
you know, as the, the sun's going down and the tall pine shadows are getting long and the, the light's getting golden, hitting those little less than full shots. I think there's maybe one or two full wedges on the whole course. But hitting those shots with your buddies, uh, with loud music and other people laughing and cackling in the background, it's a great place to be. It is the uh, almost what you would design the short course or the par 3 course experience to be. The only problem is that the short course is very much in vogue these days. You know, par 3s and short courses have just exploded onto the resort golf and destination golf scenes. Uh, I, I guess the preserved bent dunes was probably uh, the beginning of that trend. The cradle wasn't far behind. I know Sand Valley is has a short course up there. Forest Dune short course is very much ballyhooed, and I think it just had its soft opening. We were actually up there in Ross Common last year when they were adding grass seed to the place, which was very exciting to see up there in Forest Dunes. Um, the Cradle, again, very much still a special place, and it deserves to be played if you're going to be in Pinehurst. Uh, but it is not the... It's no longer underground. Uh, it is something... Expect to share the course with everybody else. You know, for if I were running, I might add a, a second bartender to the pine cone. There's a little mobile on-site uh, bar behind the fourth tee box, which is where everyone... It's kind of a high congestion place where people congregate. And, um, you know, on a good hot summer day, that's where everybody is going to be hanging out. So expect a little bit of a wait. Expect to take a leisurely pace. Don't try to race around the place. You'll miss something. The Thistledew putting course was something we experienced for the first time. Um, we made our loop around the cradle, got nine holes in, and with the amount of sunlight we had left, we could probably get two or three holes reasonably, maybe four if we really hustled. Um, but we wanted just a little bit more golf on the day, so we headed up the hill. There's an 18-hole, in air quotes, putting course uh, there right off the, the patio of the Pinehurst clubhouse and it was a nice place we had some lingering bets that hadn't been settled yet so double or nothing at the this will do we had time for maybe nine holes under the cover of darkness or moonlight uh, we ended up all square no money changed hands so that made me incredibly happy uh, but that is something that is worth some time that is perhaps more if you have young children that maybe aren't up to hitting the ball 70, 80, 90 yards even. Uh, just going to spend the time on the, the putting course. It's free. It is right there in the middle of the hub of everything. Probably the nerve center of Pinehurst Resort if you uh, really want to get down to it. The Don't expect to dominate it. It's not a, a tourist-friendly uh, mini putt-putt course. There might be, you know, we only played the, the first nine holes. None of us had a one-putt. And, you know, there were five of us playing for a small amount of money, so we were taking it serious enough. And those things were impossible. I mean, there were angles and slopes that you look at it and you think it might could do this and you're, or it might could do this, and it didn't do any of them. Getting the ball to stop near the hole uh, was a real challenge. So it did. It kind of messed with the mind a little bit. And considering we had just come off of Pinehurst number one before we played the cradle, and those were the hardest greens to putt we saw all week. Unbelievably difficult. For relatively flat greens, it had a, a grain that drove everybody crazy. 
I'll speak to that a little bit more here in a moment. The thing to know about the Thistle Dew course is that it's made to be a little bit competitive, but it's mainly made for laughs. I don't think there's any, I don't think you use it as a tool to get ready to go play number two or, or some other course there at Pinehurst. Uh, we had some comically bad results to what we thought were some really well-struck and well-thought-out putts. Um, there's, there is a little skill involved, mainly judging speeds, but that's a place to have laughs, to have a couple of drinks. Uh, there are The tea markers are actually drink stands where you can put a plastic cup of the beverage of your choice up there uh, to hold it while you're taking your crack at trying to crack the code of those greens. As I mentioned, we actually played Pinehurst number one. That was our knock the rust off round. Uh, everybody was able to get to Pinehurst relatively early in the day of this trip, so we went ahead and planned an 18-hole golf course. That is a great course to walk. It's the oldest course down there at Pinehurst. It actually predates Ross's involvement with the resort. I think it dates back to the 1880s, maybe for the original nine. It was an impossible course to putt. Relatively flat greens with small, subtle slopes. You know, I've played Kapalua in Hawaii, and that Bermuda grass and that tropical destination didn't do as much to the ball as the grain, whatever strain of Bermuda grass they've got on the greens down there at Pinehurst. It was unreal. I four-putted a hole. I'm not even mad. It was just compounding mistakes uh, and an inability to accept the reality that was those greens. You know, it's a tree-lined layout. It felt, to me, in the moment, it reminded me of mid-pines just with less interest around the greens. The The bunkering was different. In mid-pines, the, the greens are a little bit obscured if you're on the wrong side of the fairway by bunkers or you know bunker faces or subtle undulation. Pinehurst number one didn't have that kind of reveal. You know, I walked it, and it just didn't have that full-on flair or, or rustic aesthetic that you get at a lot of those courses down there. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Fine golf course, par 70, I think. And, you know, we were able to get around and good, make good time down there. But, uh, again, those greens just drove us nuts. I was glad to get it out of the way up front. Uh, but they were, that would take some getting used to. Walking on a golf trip. I don't know if I'm just that fervent walker or if I'm trying to get my money's worth on my push cart that I got last year still, or if I just have a, some kind of deep-seated need to be different. But I walked two rounds on a golf trip. I walked that uh, round at Pinehurst number one, and I walked the next morning out of Tobacco Road, which I'd done that before and knew, one, that I could do it, and two, that it was really fun. And uh, I would encourage anyone, if you're walking-minded, uh, even if you're the only one in the group, go ahead and walk. You know, I, I did it for two rounds. I was never out of position. My guys weren't waiting on me. Um, if you're smart about it, if you walk ahead, if, as long as obviously the guys in the group don't mind that small breach of etiquette and you can do it safely and not distract them. Um, you know, I, I kept up. I actually kind of played four caddy sometimes where maybe there was a long walk from a tee box to a, a cart path and I could just head straight out. It was fun. It was that good tired. Uh, it's a different way to see the golf course. And down there, there's, you know, with the little subtle elevation changes, and sometimes not so subtle elevation changes, um, you just get to see so much more kind of being in the fairway corridor than being off to the side on a cart path. 
for all the normal reasons that you'd want to walk, those are particularly fun courses to walk. They're made to walk. In the future, will I ever get above maybe two rounds? You know, once a day is probably plenty. Walking 36 and trying to be competitive, um, probably not the best idea. I'm sure my teammates would appreciate it if I didn't do more than that. But again, it was a fun experience. It's something I'll probably keep doing in the future. I never felt like I was disconnected from the guys in the carts. We, you know, it's not like the conversation stopped and had to restart. Group size. This was our first year with nine players in our buddy strip. We had done eight for a couple of years. Um, some, last year, somebody couldn't go, so we had somebody fill in. Well, that guy that couldn't play last year came back into the fold. So we basically played three teams of three. And the universal sentiment to a man was that that's the perfect size for a golf trip. Uh, going out in three groups of three, everybody got to play with everyone else at least once. Teammates of our three teams got to play twice. They played that knock off the rust round, and they played together in the final round. So we played our round times went down. It allowed for our unique kind of three-way match play for the front nine of the first three courses. Everyone loved it. So if you ever have a question, if you're a small group, or if you're ever thinking of putting together a golf trip, um, you know, personalities and, and making sure everybody gets along. And that's a big part of any golf trip, of course. But uh, if you've got a good sized group or you're thinking of trying to start a good sized group, that's the number. Uh, three teams beats two teams, apparently. Southern Pines Golf Club. Uh, this, until very recently, was basically the Elks Club social club down there in Southern Pines, North Carolina. It has recently been purchased and closed upon by the Bell family. Uh, those are the people that own the Pine Needles and Mid Pines resorts. And if you go to the uh, Mid Pines or Pine Needles website right now, actually it will show Southern Pines as the third course in their portfolio. Uh, it is a fantastic routing. It, there are a lot of what you might loosely identify as typical Ross features. It's an awkward, kind of tight property that he absolutely gets the most out of with the routing. Uh, there's a kind of a firm handshake first hole, big downhill first hole that uh, is of the kind of easy, not easy, but definitely not difficult to start to a, a hole that kind of gives away that it's a fun Ross course. Down there, it's the last of the bent grass greens in the sand hills. Uh, one local that I'm particularly friendly with kind of laments that they went ahead and purchased it because he's fairly certain that the family will regrass those greens, put in Bermuda, which I understand. You know, those summers, are it's really hard to keep bent grass in good shape at those temperatures. We fight that here in Kentucky. Even being in the transition zone up here, uh, we have almost all bent grass greens, and they have to get so wet in the summer just to keep them alive. You know, and having that as the, the putting surface was definitely conspicuous. You know, everywhere else we were wiping sand off the ball, uh, be it in the fairway or in the kind of where the, the long rough would be. Not at, not at Southern Pines. It had mud. Uh, the greens were wet. You could spin the ball. We made more ball marks on those greens in one round than we did in four rounds everywhere else. Uh, it was a great course to have your driver working well. Uh, you know, good quarters to play from, fun approach shots to get to the greens. A lot of them pushed up, kind of in old-school Ross fashion. I understand why locals down there love it. 
you can see from the routing and the character of the greens and the fairways, the way they slope and tilt, that it's a special place. With some TLC, maybe a couple million dollars invested in bunkers and bunker drainage, course drainage, putting some new grass in key places, including the greens, that may end up being one of the best courses in the entire Pinehurst area. And it, it's, it's that special, it's got great bones. I know that's very kind of stereotypical to say, but being on property, um, spending a, a lazy afternoon there, you can see why people love it and will lament that it will no longer be the sort of inexpensive, poor working man's Ross course. I th predict that it will be really special within three or four years. On the other end of the spectrum, pine needles. For me, that it is the quintessential Sand Hills Championship course. It's long, but it's not the length that makes it difficult. It's the width and the angles. It's the way the bunkers and the approaches lie in relation to the fairways. If you're on the wrong side of the fairway, it increases the difficulty of the approach. Less so than it does across the street at mid-pines, but still, that is a very much a factor. Um, you know, Being out of position is a big deal there. Restored by Kyle Franz, I think the look of Pine Needles is more Pinehurst than anything Pinehurst proper, except maybe uh, the redone number two and number four. They have that rugged, sand-based aesthetic with the clump grass. You know, that, that clumpy, long grass that is, it's decorative, but it's also in play in several places. Instead of long, rough, you have these, these long, decorative grasses that there's sand in between, so it's not just a thick, dense undergrowth. It provides a real hazard, but one you can play out of. You, know, you can find your ball in there, and it's truly a rub of the green situation. I had one guy in my group had a shot. The ball was resting under the leaves of that stuff, and he had to take a blind swing. He couldn't see it uh, without falling down and taking a swing. Another guy was in amongst kind of a, a bed of the stuff, had a perfect lie, was able to pick it clean, stick it on the green from 80 yards, and uh, wreak havoc with the gambling on that hole. Pine Needles has, I think the greens are the real stars of that show. Uh, they're generally big, uh, but the pin positions determine the strategy. Like I said, they, they determine whether your drive is out of position or on the right side of the fairway giving you a good look. It's got a nice mix of long, short, right, left, difficult, attackable holes, things that bend in both directions. Really, for my money, a complete golf course. It makes a really nice use of those sandy waste areas and pine straw, pine needles as uh, kind of the really extensions of the cart paths. It, it gives you a way to get close to your ball. You know, it had rained two and a half, three inches the night before we played, so it wasn't path only. It was just keep stay out of the fairway. Well, that made it a whole lot easier for everybody. And I think, for my money, it's just a beautiful aesthetic that you don't get a lot of other places. It was the one course that we had played on our prior trip down there that I just I didn't have a great feel for. I don't know if it was fatigue or uh, the way I played or we played, um, but I'm absolutely sold. I'm all in on the Pine Needles experience. If you head into that area, make sure you put it on your list. It's probably one of the more expensive courses that isn't uh, over on the Pinehurst Resort. Doesn't matter. It's worth it. The experience is absolutely worth it. Handicaps. All of our competitions are net. 
that's the only way to make it fair. We've got two guys that played to a five on this trip and one guy that's probably a legitimate 30 handicap. One of my proudest achievements, uh, some of these same guys have been making the same trip to various destinations for seven years. None of us had formal handicaps when that process began. Or maybe I had, I guess I had one. I was the one. Every member of this year's trip had a formal golf handicap information network, uh, USGA sanctioned handicap. And boy, does it make a big difference. We used to play off of kind of a rolling handicap for the four rounds that we'd have together and somebody just played off scratch. It made for some of the craziest scorekeeping you had ever seen. Um, getting everyone to have a formal handicap this year really made, cut down on the amount of planning uh, and the amount of chaos. It worked out um, you know, between the team competitions that were all net. It literally came down to the final putt on the final green of the final hole at Southern Pines on our last round. So there, you know, there's not a whole lot of sandbagging or, um, you know, it's cured whatever vanity handicaps there were out there. So if that's not something that's part of your golf experience or your golf life, consider doing it. Uh, if you're playing with your friends or you're putting together a golf trip, it's almost an essential function uh, to make it easier on whoever's putting the trip together. Speaking of formal games and formal competitions, um, one thing that we figured out this year is that everybody likes games that award points pro rata. Um, you know, we played match plays in the morning, which are fine, and the winner of the match got all the points for the team competition. But in the after, in the second half of rounds, we played things like the skins game. We played a three-man variation of wolf. Uh, we played the nines or five-three-one. Some of you might know it as. And those were kind of winner-take-all. Whoever won the game got all the points available. In retrospect, that didn't sit as well. Everybody felt like uh, if you played well, just maybe got beat a, a little bit, you should get partial credit for that. I don't know if that's just the nature of our group, uh, but that's probably a change I'll be making permanent going forward. would advise you to at least take the temperature of your group if you're trying to plan uh, some side games. With respect to our competitions... Winner's guilt, it's real. That may sound silly, um, but you know I take these games seriously. I'm hyper-competitive on these trips. I try to win. Nothing over the line. I mean, these are all my friends, and I want them all to come back for future golf trips, and I want it not to be awkward when I see them the other 51 weeks of the year. But it's something I love winning, and I hate losing, and I think that's universal among at least the majority of our nine guys. Um, we have multiple competitions going on. There was, we played a the flag game um, at Pinehurst number one when we did our knock the rust off. If you're not familiar with flag competition in golf, uh, Justin over at Picadome, I think Aaron may have had this on his list too. We played it at a club event last year where uh, you were awarded your course handicap number of strokes for me on Pinehurst number one I think I had 78 strokes and so after you hit your 78th stroke wherever your ball comes to rest you plant the flag with your name on it and whoever has progressed furthest down the course uh, before they plant their flag wins I just happened to be the only one I had a good day even with that four putt I was the only one that made it to the 18th hole 
Uh, I was able to reach reach 18 and two. So I planted my flag, took my little picture, and won that game. We also have what I've talked about, the team competitions. Uh, me and two of my teammates against two other teams of three. And by hitting that putt on the 18th green at Southern Pines, uh, we won that competition. So that was uh, a big celebration. And finally, the last competition we have is kind of the silly competition. We call it the, the cup points, or the one-bearded cup. It's a nonsensical game where you earn points for things that are generally not score-related. Uh, a little backstory of when it was just the four of us the first time. It was a way for to try to keep people engaged if they weren't playing well. You know, this year I came up with things that were, uh, for example, things that were either named after famous golfers from the tour or something uh, that we had done here. My good friend of the show, Matt Cheney, on one of our early golf trips, he hit a hotel. Uh, he went for it on a par five, uh, push block slice, and hit the hotel down at uh, Robert Trent Jones uh, Capitol Hill. He hit the Marriott. Thank God nobody was outside. So we have a rule now. If you hit a structure with a struck with a golf shot, that's called a Cheney. You lose four points. Um, you know it, the Big John. That's longest drive in a fairway on a par five. You get a couple of, of positive points for that. Um, you know, make par better after hitting into someone else's fairway. That's a sevy. You win three points if you can do that. So it's all this silly stuff like that. Well, it turns out I kind of lapped the field on that one too. So I've got some winner's guilt because I came up with these games. I helped pick the teams. And I, I designed all of the, the formal competitions. And I won them all. It was a clean sweep. So... I'm thinking I may have to hand over some control next year. Um, I loved winning. I'm not giving any of the money back. I'll be sending out screenshots of the scoreboards to people. That'll be the Christmas cards for the guys in this group. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking, I'm taking ideas now. I'm trying to think through how to maybe structure it so I don't win everything next year. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Speaking of next year, future destinations. I wish my guys were more enthusiastic about walking. That would open up a handful of really cool possibilities. As I mentioned before, I walked a couple of rounds on this trip in the summer heat in North Carolina. It was fine. I was still able to play well. But I was the only walker. I don't push that agenda on the other guys. You know, we are well past our golf bro days. You know, nobody's out there getting sauced on the course really, but you know, guys do it from the cart, and that's fine. But this was year seven for this group. I anticipate us making it to a year 10. Uh, knock on wood, good Lord willing, and the river don't rise. And it might be nice to be able to plan something like a ba short banding trip or Sand Valley, someplace uh, like that. We lucked out last year. We went to Forest Dunes, and last year was the first time that they allowed carts on the loop. Now, I walked one of my rounds on the loop. I walked the clockwise round. Um, and it was fine. I enjoyed it. It was a good th good course to walk. But um, unless my guys are willing to start, you know, getting up and doing some stretching and, uh, you know, maybe invest in some light stand bags, I don't see that happening. Uh, maybe they'll fall in love with the idea of a caddy. I don't know. Um, but that's my only thought uh, on the kind of difficult decisions uh, coming forward for next year's trip and the years thereafter. Speaking of future trips, uh, 
my stress level as trip captain or trip dictator was as low as it's ever been this year and if these trends continue it will probably be even less so I left a lot more things to chance this year. A lot of the in-between items, like where to grab lunch and the downtime back at the house, um, those are almost on autopilot now. Uh, I left it to the whims of the guys, and you know what? It all worked out just fine. Everybody had fun. Uh, so I'll definitely be playing travel agent rather than camp activities director on future trips. I still enjoy getting up and cooking. Uh, I do the breakfast in the morning just so guys have something in their stomach for uh, a long day. And I like researching the local options, the local fare. Uh, this year, obviously, being with COVID concerns, we stayed pretty well secluded. Uh, but it also proved this year that I don't have to go to the extreme on all these things. The guys in the trip are, are basically self-sufficient at this point. There's some pride in that. There may be a little melancholy, too, that we've matured that much as a group. But uh, it sure is nice not to have to worry about every little thing. Tobacco Road Golf Course. It is a living museum. It, along with Mid Pines, is my favorite American course. Seminole, Mike Strand's work. It's big. It's bold. It is. There's a little bit of Las Vegas in it, in that it the the vertical movement on that property is a visual overload if you're not mentally prepared for it. Those big dunes, those massive sandy waste areas, and the way they're maintained, they are something that you just don't see most anywhere else in the U.S. The giant washouts, the sandy native areas, they provide a hazard, uh, just like the clumps of grass over at uh, Pine Needles. Those washouts provide a hazard that you have a chance to recover from. Uh, I hit maybe my best shot on number five. I was down in that big cavern to the left, went for the fairway and missed, and was able to hit it up on the green one putt for birdie. Uh, that was probably my best performance of the trip so that's something that I wish was more prevalent um, the the kind of hazards that you had a chance to come back from you know I think it's kind of hard to lose a ball at Tobacco Road now granted you can shank one off into the woods it's pretty heavily treed in certain spots so don't get me wrong but um, you know you can you can play the ball forward you can punch your way around that golf course which is really fun uh, and add something special that you don't get on a lot of courses. A couple of thoughts to wrap up. I know there's a generation slightly younger than me, for the most part, that is very enamored with Sweetens Cove down in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. It is the nine-hole course that along with maybe with Winter Park in Florida that has kind of taken over uh, the idea of what a golf course can be in the uh, 2010s and 2020s going forward it's not a religious zealotry but it's close I've not been to Sweetens Cove yet that's a trip that I owe uh, but everyone that I've talked to that I trust you know is very willing to tell you how special of a place it is uh, from its ubiquitous presence on social media pictures to all of the different events, the really cool tournaments and club events that it seems to host. People absolutely, for the most part, fall in love with Sweden's Cove, unlike they have any other golf course. That's exactly how I feel about golf down in the Sand Hills. So there's a part of me after this third trip down there that wonders why places like Tobacco Road and Pine Needles 
and Pinehurst number four don't engender those same sentiments among the same 20 and 30 something golfers. Granted, there's a significant price difference between a round at Sweetens Cove and a round at Tobacco Road or Pine Needles. You know, the Sweetens Cove is the ultimate golf underdog. It's got a great story and it's a young story uh, still being told, you know, uh, from a nondescript course, nondescript course in rural Tennessee outside Chattanooga to two architects really kind of doubling down on themselves and taking a chance and transforming that into something um, so special that it, what Sweden's Cove has become. I mean, that's a great story. Um, but I, I wonder maybe why Tobacco Road isn't looked at the same way or why, you know, I, I get it. Pinehurst, Pine Needles, these are really the vanguard of public golf in America. You know, Pinehurst bills itself as the cradle of American golf. And I think that's in large part true. And the prices that are charged in season reflect that. So I, I, I get that, that it's different. Uh, I wonder how much of it is a, you know, Sweetens Cove is our thing for the people that were kind of early adopters and were in on that course early. And that it touched them before, you know, it was the ultimate before it got popular experience. And, you know, they relive that euphoria every time they go down there. Because that is what I get going around walking Tobacco Road. That is what I felt this spring uh, going two loops around Mid Pines by myself. Just a, I can't believe I'm here. How cool is this? You know, this doesn't, this, this isn't something I can get back home. This is something I want to share um, with my friends. Um, you know, that sentiment. You know, it's not stuffy if you think the Pinehurst area despite the prevalence of septuagenarians down there it's a really laid back vibe if you haven't been down there sure i'm i'm sure there's fierce competition for tea times early in the season and i've been there on in peak season weekends and yeah there are good crowds of uh, you know younger guys that are in from raleigh or the research triangle or charlotte that fill up uh, the trendier places but uh, you know, there's just a difference in perception among the younger crowd. Um, you know, maybe I know Riggs over at the Barstool uh, did a stay, you know, did his quarantine at Pinehurst. So maybe that opened some eyes to the younger set uh, that it's not just for their parents and their grandparents. I don't know. It just feels like there's a, a perception difference between some of the new cool things that are available in golf. The, the short courses, the nine hole courses. Uh, the walking-only courses, places like Bandon and, and Sand Valley and Streamsong, to a larger extent. Um, you know, just a difference between that and some of the old line stuff down in the Sand Hills region that is still really, really good and gets better with each update, as far as I can tell. Which brings me to my final thought, and I'll conclude with this and let you get on about your day. It was fascinating to take my guys back to Pinehurst area. Um, because it's so special to me and it's fun to to take a few moments at each round and kind of just see how they react and see how they take in the experience you know like i said tobacco road mid pines my two favorite american courses couldn't be more different um, but absolutely just enjoy the experiences there and we played pine needles and tobacco road two world-class 
probably by various lists top 100 public courses at least in the United States and we played two quote unquote other courses Talamore and Southern Pines and threw in a, a Pinehurst proper round uh, at number one and it's just interesting to see if you ask for guys favorite or top list or if you asked for a, a quick ranking um, you would of the nine guys you definitely get four or five different rankings some guys swear by Talamore like that was just something they didn't see coming and they fell in love with it um, my only criticism of that is the way it was presented the aesthetics of it felt like you could find that almost anywhere that had hills any place that had good rolling topography you could have picked that course up uh, transported it somewhere and set it down and it totally would have fit uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Southern Pines in Talamore. But again, there were guys that are going to insist if we go back to that area that that course be in the rotation. That's how much fun they had playing it. You know, while it was cool to play a course on the, the Pinehurst Resort that wasn't just the cradle, it beat our guys up, uh, especially our better players, frankly. Um, I was surprised that the first couple of flags I found were of our two five handicaps on the trip. And they couldn't get the greens, and, and that was their day. That was all she wrote. Um, you know, everyone agreed that with better conditioning and some TLC, that Southern Pines will probably be very special in the future. So it was interesting to see that that was kind of consensus. Um, but that's something fun. That's something I enjoy taking guys to courses that I've seen. I've done it with uh, Stonecrest down in Prestonsburg. I've taken a good friend down there to to kind of show that course off and it's interesting to, to it was interesting to watch his reaction and, and see how he played it so uh, that part of this experiment of the buddies trip was a success um, it wasn't uniform I think I've finally gotten past the point of trying to make everybody like what I like again it's just more interesting to watch them and, and see kind of naturally what they enjoy and what they don't hey if you're still listening at this point thank you for stopping by for another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed recounting these thoughts, trying to get myself organized, how to think about this trip and improve for next year. Uh, hopefully you can take something useful along with you or you now have a little bit more knowledge of the area and you'd like to check it out for yourself. A big thank you to uh, Tobacco Road Golf Travel. In addition to running the golf course down there, they also have a uh, travel planning service. They have ends with most of the courses down there that don't begin with the word Pinehurst. They can also set your group up with lodging. They have packages or they will custom build a trip for you just like they did for us. Cannot recommend them enough. Uh, so thank you to that whole team. I hope this was worth a little bit of your time today. If not, I'm sorry about it. There's nothing I can do about it now, but I will promise to be better and more interesting next time. Either way, continue to please be safe and be smart and try to keep sane out there. If you do get out on a golf course, do remember to go for it and take dead aim. I can't look at him. I'm going to get nauseous. What you, I don't know what you're doing over there.